Have you, a friend, or family member ever considered writing a book and getting it published? Well, I have the perfect idea for you. You should contact Wasteland Press. Wasteland Press is a self-publishing book company, and since they started in 2000, they have published over 4,000 book titles. That's right, over 4,000 book titles, and they make money from your book, not you, and they work for you non-stop, full-time. You can sell your free copies when it's all said and done to make an investment off of your book, and there is no other publishing company that can offer that. They provide full-service publishing for you and your book, which includes the cover design and formatting. And they also have a plan that can fit your budget, which includes the basic plan, the silver plan, the gold plan, the platinum plan, and the ultimate plan. If you want to find out more about these plans, you can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502-437-0860. And if you want to request a publishing guide, you can contact them at wastelandpress.net. Do it. You won't regret it. Make your dreams come true with Wasteland Press. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Goff, and this episode is sponsored by Wasteland Press. If you had a dream, and that dream included writing a book and getting it published at a fairly decent price, Wasteland Press is definitely the way to go with that. You can contact them at 502-437-0860. That's 502 502- 4370860 or you can visit them on their website at wastelandpress.net. So, I have a lot of stuff to get to tonight uh for, for this episode. It, you know, I got a lot of college basketball to talk about. I got some college even some college football as far as the combine about UK and uh, of course NBA as well because the the NBA trade deadline was today and there were some trades that were rather interesting and that could kind of impact the the rest of the season in my opinion so really what I wanted to lead off this episode with is UK basketball you know at the beginning of the season Everyone was hyped up because they had all this talent coming together. Then they went to the Bahamas. They absolutely played great basketball. I mean, it was great. They were playing, you know, professional teams, and they were blowing them out still, and they were just playing great overall. Everyone looked good on the team. And then first game of the season is against Duke. And they get obliterated by them. So that really put a, a, a hamper on things as far as they were struggling. And part of the reason, they were winning old games, but they just weren't themselves. And they definitely weren't at their full potential yet. And that Duke game affected them big time. And you could clearly see it in the way they played after that. And you know that it affected them. And recently, just there has been a certain, you know, quality about this team that I like. And that's the fact that they play with heart. And when Quade Green 
decided to transfer, I really felt like it would be a blessing in disguise. I like Quade. I really like him. And I hope he finds all the success when he's, you know, when he starts playing with uh, the University of Washington. But I do think that was a big blessing in disguise for them. And I think that, you know, after Quade left, Ashton Hagens would take over the point guard spot. And that's been a key part to this UK team ever since Ashton Hagens took over for uh took over the point guard spot. His defense is top notch. It's really good. I mean, he's one of probably one of the best on ball defenders that Kentucky has had. At least in the John Cal Perry era. And the way he plays defense, it you know, it transitioned to the whole team. Because the whole team is playing solid defense. I looked at a stat the past few games. He's only been allowing only about 60 points a game. And that's that's I would say that's pretty good. So their defense has been outstanding. And that would be the one shining improvement that this team, when you look at it, if they make it far, you look at it and say, well, why did they make it far? They made it far as, and they improved immensely on defense, and that their defense will be one of the reasons why they can go far in next month's uh, NCAA tournament. Is their defense? They've been playing great, and their defense is why they're winning games recently. And you know, you could go back. You know, Cal saying this is one of his best three-point shooting teams, on and just you know, probably shooting in general. But this should be, it hasn't really necessarily shown throughout the whole season, but this should be one of Cal's best three-point shooting teams. And I know that, you know, not a lot of them hasn't shown throughout the majority of the season, but it should be. And Tower Hero is starting to become a real sharpshooter on this team. I have been impressed with Tower Hero's improvement. Because at the beginning of the season and throughout most of November, and then you can even look at games in December, his defense was awful. He could get in the way a little bit, but I mean, his perimeter defense was awful, and he couldn't guard anybody. And it's the same thing with uh, Keldon Johnson. And at that time, both of them should have should have been better defenders than they were. And Tower Hero has made that improvement, a big improvement, and it's that it's it's one of the things that's been uh, really a driving force for him is how well he's been playing on defense, and uh, Keldon Johnson he's been kind of silent when the SEC play has started, but he's had a couple of games, but you know, but he's improved. I feel like, especially on the defensive side, um, his offense has seemed to digress a little bit. I mean, I have, on three straight plays against Florida, literally three straight plays when he took it to the basket in the first half, he was getting contested. He was getting his shot blocked. Whether he was fouled or not, that's up to you and what you think. But you can't. He's way too athletic to be 
letting his shot get blocked on three straight possessions. So, Keldon Johnson, uh, he's a great player. Do not get me wrong. But he, I feel like his offense has digressed a little bit. And if, you know, if UK does want to make it extremely far in the tournament, he's going to have to step up. And, you know, he's he'll, he made key plays against Florida, and he's made key plays against other teams. But I feel like he really needs to step up. And, like, I've been really impressed with this UK team uh, as of, um, as of, you know, late. But, you know, Keldon Johnson, I feel like he needs to play better still on both sides. And he should be a better defender than what he is. And I still, you know, he still has troubles, on, especially on the perimeter. And another guy, I mean, just a guy who's been playing well that has had his struggles this season. But, you know, as of late, he's been playing absolutely amazing and been an absolute leader on this team is P.J. Washington. And, you know, P.J. Washington really has been a focal point of this team for the past, I would say, about five or six games. I mean, he's averaging a double-double. He's leading this team, and that's something that, you know, he didn't have that quality last year as a freshman to be able to gather up his players who's ever playing with him and get them in line. And, you know, they just had this game against Florida. They were down 11 points with about 12 minutes left in the game. And what did he do? He got in the lineup, or, you know, he got his team together during a timeout. He got all up in a huddle, and he was talking to him. He was being that leader. And I remember saying at the beginning of this season, you know, those three sophomores would have to be leaders. And I said this on this podcast after, um, uh, after Kentucky lost to Duke, the three sophomores would really need to step up, and those were PJ, Quade, and Nick Richards. Quade's Quade's gone now, so at least PJ to be a real leader on this team, along with Reed Travis, and you know Nick Richards. You know KSR talks about them all the time, talks about him all the time, and big Nick energy. That's what he is. I mean, you can say what you want about Nick Richards, but I feel like every time I've seen him go on the court, he's always playing his hardest. And he also makes plays for you. He'll get he'll he'll get a couple blocks for you. He'll get rebounds and every once in a while he'll put up some offense and put you know, get a little jump hook in there as well. But he just provides. He doesn't play. He hasn't played a lot of minutes during these games. But whenever he's in, he does stuff for you that helps you win games. And the same thing can be said for Jamal Baker. And you know Jamal Baker, you come in. He didn't. You know he was actually here on last year's team, but had to sit out the whole season because of a knee injury. But he came back, of course, and he's a red shirt freshman. And you know people just automatically assume that you know. He's just a shooter. And, I mean, that kind of, you know, when Shea Gilgis-Alexander goes on KSR and they ask him, you know, who's the best shooter on his team, and then he said Jamal Baker. So everyone coming into this season will assume, oh, well, if Kentucky can't make a shot, you put in Jamal Baker in there, and, of course, he'll make a couple threes for you. 
But, you know, he's not getting a ton of minutes, but he's getting a decent amount of playing time. And, you know, he's showing us that he's more, much more than a shooter. He's a good passer, and uh, he, he plays defense well. He's a really great defender. I've seen that from him. And, like I said, he can pass well. And, like he said, he'll make a couple plays for you that can help you win the ball game. And, really, honestly, that's what this team needs, I think, at this point. Is, you know... You can't just, I mean, I also think people were thinking coming into this season, well, Cal might platoon again. No, don't. I honestly, Cal will never, never use the platoon system again. And mark my words on that, he will never do that again. That was just a one-time thing. But, you know, that's this, like I said, people come into this season expecting something like that. But really, this what this team needs is, you know, just those players that can make plays for you and get the job done. That's what Jamal Baker does, and that's what Nick Richards does. Say what, Like I said, say what you want about Nick Richards, but he's a big piece to this team. And that's another thing. If Kentucky wants to go far, he's going to be a big piece in this. And I said, like I said, I said this on the podcast. The upper class, the... Every you know the freshmen need to you know step up as well, but you know the sophomores, the people, the 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 kids that decided to stay another year, they need to step up big time, and they need to be leaders on this team. Same thing with Reed Travis. In, like uh, Matt Jones said on KSR, I think this is very true. You can't win, you won't be able to win a national championship with Reed Travis as your best player. And don't be going, I love me some Reed Travis. I think he's just an old school basketball player and he gets the job done and he plays with a lot of heart and I love that. But we're not, I mean, Kentucky's not going to win a national championship if he's your best player. So Keldon Johnson has to start playing better offensively. I know he's made plays against teams, but he has to play better offensively and just not disappear for different amounts of the game. Because that's kind of the stuff that P.J. Washington did. And honestly, P.J. Washington is really stepping away from that. He really is. And he's really, you know, he's shown up the pa- these past six games. So everyone else also needs to step up big time. And, you know, I'm not trying to be negative. I actually, like I said, they, you know, this team is playing well. And, they're, and this Kentucky team is playing just as good as anyone else in the country. Just to go into Florida, they were down, Kentucky was down by 11 with a substantial amount of time left. But, you know, they had 12 minutes left, and P.J. Washington had the huddle with his teammates, and they came back in Florida, which is, you know, again, it's a tough place to play in. That's a tough environment in Florida. They went to Vandy, which doesn't matter how, it didn't matter how good Vandy was, it's always tough to beat them when Vandy's at home. And Kentucky killed them in their place. And and at and Vandy. So I mean like this Kentucky team is, you know, I really think they're sprouting at the right moment. And, you know, we still haven't necessarily gotten a game where every single starting you know, starting the whole starting five hasn't, you know, played well. They played good, but not every not all five of them have clicked together. And I think it's very possible that 
you know, all the five starters that Cal's going to stick with, once they all quit together, if you have Tower Hero knocking down three-pointers, if you have uh, Ashton Higgins put, providing a little bit of offense, distributing the ball, playing, you know, playing the great defense, we know he can. If you have Keldon Johnson making shots and making great offensive plays, if you have Reed Travis taking it down low and getting you a couple shots, if you have P.J. getting rebounds for you, making hustle plays, and making also making big plays for you, if you have those far, starting five really playing well for you and clicking and gelling well together, then this team is going to be one of the hardest teams to beat come the March Madness and come the NCAA tournament. I, I say that with wholeheartedly that I think that they can make it far. If this team puts it together, and, and they are right now, they are starting to sprout, and I've seen it firsthand. They're really starting to play well together. And like I said, you don't need a platoon system. And, you know, Kentucky doesn't have, you know, of course, doesn't have that team this year. But, yeah, that's starting five. And then they get the majority of the minutes. And then you have your bench. You have Emmanuel Quickly, Jamal Baker, Nick Richards, um, EJ Montgomery. You have those guys making plays for you and provide. And when they when they get their minutes, they're doing nothing but playing with heart and hustle. I swear to God, this team will be tough to beat. If not one of the, probably the toughest team to beat with all that talent they have. I mean, you have EJ Montgomery against South Carolina uh, Tuesday night. I don't even think he played 20 minutes and he got 11 points and 13 rebounds. And that is absolutely, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's going to help this team go far is if EJ can come in there and get a double-double with playing less than 20 minutes, that's going to get you far. And, you know, they this Kentucky team, like I said, they're just gelling at the right time. I mean, of course, they still have tough games. They still have to play Tennessee twice. They're going to have to play Auburn again. They're going to they play Mississippi State this weekend on Saturday. And they also have to play LSU, who's been proven to be a, a really good team this year. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting because they still have tough games. And I really think how much this uh, Kentucky team has improved will definitely uh, will definitely be shown in those Tennessee games. I think thinking about Tennessee right now, I really don't think that um, it's going to be a blowout uh, in, with either games. I don't think Kentucky will blow out, you know, Tennessee at when they play at Rupp. And I don't think Tennessee is going to blow out Kentucky. Uh, when they when they play uh, in in uh, Knoxville and when they play in um, in Tennessee, so I really do not think that that go, those games are going to be lost. Those are going to be hard hard fought battles, and those those are going to be it's going to be a tough game to win between both of those teams. Because I know Tennessee, Tennessee is a good team. They're a great team. They have a lot of experience, and there's a reason why they're the number one uh, team in the country right now. So they they are. You know, that those games are going to be tough for both of those teams. But you just look at the teams that Kentucky has, you know, beaten. I mean, they played a ranked Mississippi State team. They're not ranked now, but they were. They were playing good basketball at the same time, too. Kentucky, you know, pretty much handles them and beats them by double digits. Beats them by 20-plus points. They beat Kansas, which that was a hard-fought win, even though Kansas is... 
starting to really dis, um, self-destruct a little bit, in my opinion. They went to Auburn, built up a huge lead, even though Auburn, you know, they did get back into the game. But Kentucky, they still pulled it out at Auburn, which is probably a game that most people would have probably thought that Auburn would pull away with. But no, Kentucky came into Auburn's place and got that got that win. Like I said, against Florida, they were down by 11, but P.J. got, him, got his team in that huddle, and they played with a lot of heart, played great fantastic defense in that second half and they and they came back from 11 down and really uh they really um tore up that Florida offense so Kentucky has quality wins and you know you can st- if you know and they also beat you know I've forgot about this team they beat North Carolina too they handled uh Louisville as well and I, I still got some I gotta talk about Louisville too um a little bit later but uh if you know this Kentucky team has has great wins, um, and they have quality wins, and there's a possibility um, that Kentucky still has a chance for a one seed. And do I think that's a possibility? Yeah, in my in like in my honest opinion, I still think there is a shot, but it will ultimately come down to Gonzaga, and that's the only spot I think Kentucky can slip up at. Or uh, Gonzaga can slip up, or and Kentucky could take over. I think as if Duke stays where they're at and they win the majority of the games, even you know win the ACC uh, tournament championship, then I think they'll still be number one. Uh, Virginia, I mean, it, d- it depends, uh, but Virginia could, could, you know, they're still uh, as a one seed right now in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, and Tennessee, of course. So that should definitely be interesting. And right now, the main thing to talk about, uh, as far as Gonzaga and Kentucky, because Gonzaga is really the only spot right now where Kentucky could, like I said, just could take over that one spot, is, I mean, you look at Gonzaga, they don't play in a great conference. They do have a quality win over Duke. But that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really... The best win that they have, and they lost. I mean, of course they they lost to um, they lost to Tennessee, but I mean, and then they got, and then they lost to North Carolina as well. So that's really that's really what you know when the when it's Selection Sunday and they're getting ready for that is what they have to think about. Well, you know what's more what's more impressive and what's more going to be more important would that be. Gonzaga's record or Kentucky's schedule and the quality wins they have. And that's definitely going to be interesting to see. And um, there's actually uh, this weekend, I believe it is Saturday, they have the first look at what the the, the 16, uh, I don't think it's going to be weekly, but they're having the first look at what the first 16 seeds would be. And what they what those would look like, and that's coming out this weekend as well. So we kind of get we get to see the uh, what the NCAA thinks as far as where the teams are right now. And you know, I've been going on and on about Kentucky so far in this episode, and you know, I've been impressed with them. I really have, because 
you know, they were struggling. They lost to Duke, and I was like, oh, no, because I really thought that was a game that Kentucky was going to win. I mean, you would have asked me before that uh, before that season started, and you asked me, who do you think's going to win? And I would have told you my honest opinion. I thought Kentucky would have won that game because I thought that, you know, they had way more talent, but Duke, you know, was, was as advertised in that game. And then they, um, of course, lost to Seton Hall, which was a devastating loss at the last second. And they lost to Alabama. But, you know, those weren't really why I was so kind of low on them. is just the way they were playing after that Duke game and, and the mo- for most parts of December. I mean, Kentucky was just having all kinds of issues on defense. And, uh, I mean, this Kentucky, I mean, if you look at you look at November after, I mean, after that Duke loss, they had, a little, they had trouble with Southern Illinois. Um, they didn't really have trouble with North Dakota. They had trouble with VMI. They had, I mean, they had a little bit of trouble with Winthrop, with a little bit of Tennessee State. Monmouth was, they had that handled. But there were some games, like against UNC Greensboro, that kind of struggled. They just, one of the main problems I had with Kentucky was that, you know, their defense wasn't great, and I felt like it should have been, uh, should have been, uh, should have been better. And they just, you know, it still happens a little bit now, but I'm glad it's improved, and that's where this unknown guy, they're not great three-point shooters, but whenever they play, whenever they play Kentucky, they just have the game of their life, and they just keep knocking down ridiculous threes. And that's what was bugging me about so much about this UK team when they were after that Duke game is that it seemed like it, it just affected them, and it did. That Duke game affected, you can't tell me any different. And that, you know, you can't tell me that that Duke game didn't have some effect because it obviously did with how they played with, with some teams. You know, like I said, if one improvement that stands out above everything else about this University of Kentucky men's basketball team is their defense. And they wave the way that they have been playing. And and this is the last thing I'll um I'll bring about uh or I'll talk about Kentucky. I'll uh, list out their remaining games and I'll list out if I think, you know, whether they'll win them or lose them. But, you know, like I said, uh Kentucky, I've been really impressed with their defense recently. And I really think with the, if they can keep that defense up and they play the way and they play to their strengths and everyone's making plays and the starting five is all clicking together. And if they keep up, like I said, if they keep up their defense, it's going to be amazing. And I really think when um, when the NCAA tournament starts, you better watch out for Kentucky. I'm just telling you. And I wouldn't want to be... Um, if I was the opposing teams, I wouldn't want to be in Kentucky's region uh, in that in uh, in their bracket. So the rest of uh, Kentucky's remaining schedule, uh, of course, this Saturday they play Mississippi State, and that's going to be tough because that is in Starkville. Uh, Kentucky was able to pretty much handle Mississippi State uh, as you know they they beat Mississippi State. Uh, 76 to 55, and Kentucky played, of course, great defense in that, and held uh, Holman to, you know, they had him, uh, got him to have a subpar game. Uh, he only, he didn't even score any. So, 
Like I said, Kentucky beat them pretty good last month, and they play them again. And like I said, it's in it's going to be in Starks, uh, Starkville, so that's going to be a little bit tough. But I still think it's a game that Kentucky can win. But it's also a game Kentucky could slip up if they don't have their mind straight, if they don't have their head straight, if they're not playing. You know, if they let that crowd get the best of them, and Mississippi State can could definitely pull that one out if they really wanted to. But ultimately, I, th- I do think Kentucky will win this weekend. Then Kentucky plays LSU, and that's going to be at Kentucky. I was watching uh, LSU play a couple days ago, and I think last week as well. Um, I'm impressed with LSU. I think they're a pretty good ball team. But, you know, and they have bigs. They have a 6'9", uh, 6'9 250 guy, and uh, Naz Reed. And Jamont Waters is a, is a really solid point guard as well. But, you know, honestly, if Kentucky plays great defense, I mean, that's a game where Keldon, definitely Keldon Johnson and uh, Tyler Hero would need to step up and also Ashton Hagens. But I think Kentucky could, I think Kentucky will win that one as well, especially at Rupp Arena. Then uh, Kentucky plays their first game against Tennessee on uh, February 16th. And it's actually, that's actually at next weekend. But, you know, I could go back and forth. I mean, I could say Tennessee and I could say Kentucky. And like I said, like I said earlier, um, it's going to be a game. It's not going to be easy when, uh, where no matter where they are, it's not going to be an easy game for either team to win. So, uh, but I think could, I'm not going to say a winner or a loser, but I think can definitely at Rupp, Kentucky could pull this one out. I I really think that they you know, I mean especially at Rupp. It's a game that they really need. That's going to be an important game because especially when you look at the tournament, uh, NCAA tournament resume and beating um, the number one team in the nation will also help them. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a big game. Then Kentucky plays Missouri after Tennessee, and I think that's honestly a game that you know Kentucky should definitely win. And then they play Auburn again at Rupp Arena. I think Kentucky should be able to pull that one out, especially like you know, especially at Rupp. Then they play Arkansas, and Arkansas's not playing terrible. I mean, they're fourteen and eight; they have a solid record. But again, that's a game that Kentucky should definitely win, um, especially at Rupp. And then the March their three games, they play Tennessee again and uh, in Knoxville. Again, that's going to be a tough team for uh, for both teams to win. Then they play Ole Miss, and Ole Miss again has not been terrible, and that's also a game where if Kentucky does not have their heads straight, um, they could potentially lose that one. But I think Kentucky should be able to win that Ole Miss game as well. And then Kentucky uh, finishes the season uh, at home against Florida. And again, you know, Florida's had tough times after uh, Billy Donovan left. Um, But, you know, it's at Rupp again. And I think Kentucky should have a much easier time handling Florida. And I definitely think... um, Kentucky should be able to pull that one out. So there are definitely games where Kentucky um, could, if they don't, if they slip up and they don't have their head straight, they can definitely lose. And that's just something that they're going to have to, you know, keep the consistency going and, uh, you know, try to pull off one of the Tennessee games, beat Auburn again, um, beat Ole Miss, just beat the teams that you should definitely beat. And I think, you know, Kentucky is looking like, you know, if they don't get a one seed, best case scenario, and I think this will most likely happen, is that, I mean, they get a they get a very high, the highest two seed with a possibility of, you know, 
being in the same uh, region as, or, you know, the same uh, region of the bracket as Gonzaga. And honestly, I'd much rather have Gonzaga as my number one than the, the other potential teams that are going to possibly going to be, uh, potentially be number one, like Duke, Tennessee, and Virginia. So another, another team I really wanted to talk about briefly, and I'm not, I'm not going to go too much into them, but it's the Louisville Cardinals. You know, they had struggles with, uh, after Rick Bettino got fired, David Padgett had a tough sled of things. And, you know, I think David Padgett did the absolute best that he did with what was what was handed to him. And it's just not his fault. And, you know, it's definitely time for, uh, you know, definitely um, David Padgett is definitely wouldn't be their future. Um, but, you know, Chris Mack. Um, coming in from Xavier, and knowing that, you know, he turned around that Xavier program, and, you know, he came to um, Louisville with, you know, I think people might have had some expectations, and because of what he did at Xavier, and he's doing a, I would say he's doing an outstanding job at Louisville. I mean, they're 17 and 6, they're, they're number 16 in the country right now, and I, you know, they had some parts in the season where they looked kind of iffy. You know, they only lost to Tennessee by eleven um, by eleven points, but they were hanging with them. And Louisville almost pulled that one out. I mean, the only losses you look at their losses and it's losses that you say, okay, yeah, you know, they should have lost them more. You know, it's reasonable why why they lost. I mean, look at they lost to Tennessee. They lost to Marquette. Marquette, we know, is a pretty solid team as well. Uh, they beat Michigan State. I mean, just look at Louisville, some of the wins they got. I mean, they beat Michigan State. Uh, they, I mean, they beat Seton Hall. That's not, you know, Seton Hall is not great or anything, but can Louisville still pull that one out. I mean, they lost to Indiana. That kind of looks like a bad loss, but they only lost to them by a point. Uh, they lost to Kentucky, which we know. Right? Kentucky's looking like a pretty damn good ball team right now. They handled Miami. I mean, they did lose to Pittsburgh, but, but Pittsburgh is a better team. But the most interesting thing, and I think that's the thing that kind of really set, like, hey, this team should be able to make the NCAA tournament this year, is their win against North Carolina. And uh, they beat North Carolina 83-62. to And that was a huge, absolutely huge win for them. And a win that they definitely needed um, if they wouldn't have any, uh, any hope of making it to the NCAA tournament. They beat Boston College. They handled Georgia Tech. They they were able to beat NC State. They beat Pittsburgh again. You know they killed Wake Forest, but you know uh, and of course they lost to North Carolina again recently. But you know like and then you know they just beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech, and you know I think if Louisville, honestly, if Louisville keeps this up and they play where everyone is playing good and everyone's making shots. And it's the same thing with Kentucky. If everyone's making plays for them, I mean, they could be one of those sleepers teams that you might overlook, and they make a trip to the Sweet 16. Honestly, I mean, this team, if, you know, Louisville can be pretty dangerous, in my opinion. If you don't come in ready to play, Louisville is, I think Louisville can definitely take advantage of that. And it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, because, uh... It's uh, I mean Louisville. I mean I can't remember the last brackets that came out. I think Louisville was like 
a five or six seed. But I think they could definitely um, make fireworks in the the uh, or set off fireworks in the NCAA tournament. I think. I mean, like I've said this before. I mean, I think you know this Louisville team. Um, I've seen spots where they look kind of iffy, and uh, I've seen spots where they look like a really great ball team. And I think they're they're a good ball team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Chris Mack was left with a good core of players like Jordan Nora, and then you got uh, Darius Perry, who hasn't played great all season. Or he's had a couple of good games, but you know he's still finding his way. But Malik Williams has been playing great. Uh, Stephen Enoch. Uh, who transferred from UConn? I mean, he's been a great addition to to the team, in my opinion, and just some other. I mean, VJ King, we kind of let the cake bake a little bit. I mean, he hasn't played great, and he's given plenty. He was given plenty of opportunities, but there's a reason why Chris Mack is not giving him a lot of playing time right now. But you know, I think Chris Mack was again was left with a great core of players for the future. And Jordan Nora, I mean, he has been playing great. Averaging like 18 points a game, 7 rebounds. He can shoot the heck out of the ball. I mean, Jordan Orr has been playing great. But he's playing really solid basketball. I mean, you got little key players, little role players like Ryan McMahon. Where if you get him going, he's not going to miss a shot. And, you know, he's a great free throw shooter. So you don't want to um, foul him either. So, I mean, Louisville has pieces. And Chris Mack has pieces for the future. Um, he's going to have a great, he has a great, not, you know, if uh, he has a great, uh, recruiting class coming in next season uh, with multiple four-star players. And, you know, Louisville, I think he's going to, he's on definitely on the fast track to getting Louisville back to where they were when Rick Pitino was there. And I honestly, that, I honestly believe that. And I've, I'm really impressed with the job that Chris Mack is doing right now. And, you know, he, I've been, like I said, I've just been nothing but impressed. And I really like the guy. I think he's a tremendous human being. And he's definitely leading leading this team to great things. And you just, you know, have to hope that he won't leave because I know he's booked here a long time. Um, But, you know, if Louisville fans can stick with him, and they might have some hard times. But, you know, just with uh, what he's doing so far, uh, the players that are coming in next year and what the talent that he already has there, he's definitely getting Louisville ready for the future. And I think it's going to be sooner rather than later as far as, you know, Louisville making it back to um, where they were, like I said, when uh, before Rick Pitino got fired. So uh, Louisville, and this is the, will be the last thing I will say about Louisville real quick. I'll go over their schedule. Um, Louisville has an absolutely brutal February. They they got some cup cute. They got some uh, wins out of the way. I mean, they beat North Carolina and Chapel Hill, even though, I mean, Louisville was able to, you know, they split the series with North Carolina, which is good. They beat Virginia Tech, which we all know Virginia Tech's a solid team this year. So Louisville was able to, um, they got that win. And then this weekend, Louisville plays Florida State. And Florida State's been, you know, they've been, eh. I mean, they've been okay. And they're ranked number 22 right now. So that's a game, like I said, they they have a brutal February. And there are some games that they really do need to pick up. Uh, like I said, they play Florida State, and I definitely think that's a uh, that is a game where Louisville can win. And maybe in some cases you say they should win. Um, it's not a desperate win or anything. I still think that they can make the NCAA tournament even if they lose that game. But it's definitely one where Louisville can come in and win that one. 
Then they play Duke. Um, they play actually play Duke next week on Tuesday, and that's going to be at the KFC Yum Center. And honestly, I don't think that's going to be a blowout. And I could be totally wrong, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Louisville can play Duke tough, and that should definitely be interesting. I think, but I, you know, I think that at the end of the end of the day, Duke will more than likely probably win that game. But it's definitely a game where I think if Louisville has all their players set, if they, you know, they come in there and saying, you know, even though they were the underdog in that game, and we we play to our strengths and we play. The way we know how to the best, then I think that's definitely a game where um, Louisville might be able to shock some people. Then they play Clemson, which I still think is going to be a tough game, and then they play Syracuse, which is always tough to play um, in the Cameron Indoors or not Cameron Indoor, uh, the Carrier Dome, which is, that's going to be very tough. And then Louisville plays Virginia at the KFC Center. That's going to be a tough game. Then Louisville plays Boston College, which they they do need to I think. They do need to try to really pick up that win. Then they play North Carolina, uh, not North Carolina. They play Notre Dame, which is that's a game where you look at it and say, "Hey, we'll, we should definitely pick that one up." Then they finish the season at Virginia, which I honestly think, I, you know, I didn't think Louisville was going to beat Virginia Tech, and that they, you know, they surprised me by beating them there. But I don't think Louisville can beat Virginia, especially at Virginia's place. So I mean, they have a tough, really tough February, and. You know, they're going to finish the season tough against uh, Virginia. But, you know, there's this, if Louisville can come out of there looking pretty, um, I think that's going to be great for them. Uh, so switching from college to the NBA, well, actually, one more thing about college basketball I wanted to talk about. Kansas, I don't think they're going to win the Big 12 again. I think that their, however, you know, decade-long uh, streak that they've had winning the regular uh the regular season, Big 12. Don't think um, they're going to win it again. More than likely, I mean, losing as a Buki, you know, uh, Kansas losing as a Buki hurt this team because he was such a huge piece to that team. Huge. And especially what he did on offense and what he did on the defensive side as well. So after they lost him for the season, they just struggled. And they're, you know, obviously they're still continuing to struggle. And there's just news that came out today um, that um, LeGerald Vick is going to be taking a leave of uh, absence because of uh, certain personal issues. So, I mean, Kansas fans are just, they're just not having, you know, a great time right now. And their team is going to continue to struggle. They They did beat Texas Tech, which is a solid win. But they lost to Kansas State. Which, I mean, it's a big race to whoever's going to win the regular season title for the Big 12. But, you know, Gerald Vick's going to be out for however long. We still don't know. Um, I mean, DJ Lawson's been playing great. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Kansas doesn't have much of anyone else other than some players we never really heard of before. And, you know, Kansas is definitely going to continue to struggle. And, I mean, if they don't get... Lachelle Vic back. I don't. I don't know really how far they can. They could make it in the NCAA tournament because they still have a game against Oklahoma State, and then they play TCU, uh, West Virginia. Then they play Texas Tech again. Then they play Kansas State again. Uh, they play Oklahoma State again on Oklahoma, and then they finish up the season with Baylor, which Baylor even has a chance to win the regular season title. Um, 
in the Big 12. I mean, but Kansas has been sh- absolutely struggling. Um, and whenever Kalina, or uh, not Kalina, uh, Yudoki Azabuki, um, when that got announced that he would be out for the rest of the season, it changed his team. Because he was really the heart and soul, and he made a big impact on how much, you know, as far as everything he did. And that really kind of refocused his team, and um, they've just absolutely struggled without him. And, again, losing LeGerald Vig is not going to help either. They're going to have problems. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that with Kansas because they just have a lot. They they have problems, and I don't think they're going to be able to make it far um, in the in the NCAA tournament because there's they're losing people, and there's like I said, there's they're kind of don't, um, self-destructing right now. So moving from college basketball to a little bit of NBA, the NBA trade deadline was uh, today, and there were some trades, but Anthony Davis wasn't a part of it. Did not get traded to Los Angeles, as some people might have expected. And he's actually, uh, news came out today that he was expecting to play the rest of the season. So, um, definitely keep eyes on that, because um, it's going to be interesting to see if he'll he'll get traded during the summer after the season's over, or if he wants to try to make a push uh, this year to try to make the playoffs. So, that's something you um, definitely need to keep an eye for. but, you know, like Gavin and I were talking about this last night. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I know his dad saying stuff about um, not wanting to go to Boston because of what they did to Isaiah Thomas by trading him after, um, and, you know, playing after his sister's death and everything. And I agree, that's kind of crappy the way they handled it by trading Isaiah. But, again, you know, it's a business, so you got to make trades that you feel are going to be best for your organization. But, I mean, uh, like I said, Gavin and I were talking about this last night. You know, I was just asking him, I mean, if he's if he saw the, the final offer that the Lakers were given, and it was like Brandon Egram, Lonzo, uh, uh, Kyle Kuzma, I think they even threw in Michael Beasley, uh, Zubak, uh, and a couple first-round picks, all for Anthony Davis, and I think another player. But, I mean, you have to think about it on both sides, and if you're the general manager for both of those teams between New Orleans and Los Angeles, if you're Los Angeles, you have to think about, you know, are we willing to give up this the this young core of talent that we have that we were expecting to be a big part of our future? Are we willing to give all that up plus a couple of draft picks that could also help for the future? Are are they willing or you know, are they willing to give that all that up for a player in Anthony Davis? And believe me, I love Anthony Davis. I think he's definitely a a, a top five player in this league. But, you know, if you're Los, Los Angeles, you have to ask yourself that. Were we, you know, really willing to give up all that for Anthony Davis? And if you're New Orleans, you have to, if they want to, if they do want to make a trade or in the summer, which, of course, the trade deadline was today, so they can no longer trade. But, I mean, if they want to, you know, whilst New Orleans, if they, Eventually, want to trade Anthony. I mean, you have to think about, hey, we want something really valuable in return. So it was really both sides when it, uh, before the, the trade deadline was both sides where this they had those thoughts. And Los Angeles, I think, definitely wanted Anthony Davis, but they were, you know, uh, New Orleans had said at the end of the day they were just asking for way too much. 
And honestly, I understand why New Orleans. I mean, that was a pretty good deal. I mean, I think if I mean if you want to focus on the future, getting that young talent from Los Angeles, and the fact that they're willing to give it up, and you didn't take a chance on that. I think New Orleans. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't pull the trigger. But I could also understand, you know, they wanted to wait, uh, maybe for the summer. So we definitely had to see for that. And, you know, just uh, other trades did happen. Uh, today, Mark Gasol from the Memphis Grizzlies got traded to the Toronto Raptors for Dion Wright. It was C.J. Miles and, uh, oh man, it was another player. I can't re- quite remember. But, um, yeah, so, uh, oh, it was for Jonas Valanciunas. And uh, Marcus Hall is now a member of the Toronto Raptors, which I think he offers a lot of it, a ton of experience. I think he's a great playmaker. He can give you the ball. He can assist really well. He makes he can make great passes. He can also score. He can rebound. He can do a little bit of everything for you. And like I said, I think most of all, he just provides experience from all his you know years in the NBA. Um, and he, he's just a he plays with a heart, lot of heart. I mean, he came from you know, a grit and grind mentality of the Memphis Grizzlies that, you know, focused a lot on defense. So, I mean, he's going to be a great, I think he'll be a great addition to the the Raptors team. And uh, I definitely think he'll help this team out a lot. If they want to make it to the NBA Finals or, make you know, make it far, getting Marcus Hall is going to help him out because, once again, I think his experience is definitely going to help this team. Him and Kawhi with Kyle Lowry, and you know, just some some of their other players is uh, uh, Siakam and Sergi Baca and OG. I think you know him with those players. I think he can help out the that young core. And I definitely think that uh, he, like I said, I think he's just going to be a great addition to this team. And another thing to think about is another trade that happened was Tobias Harris getting traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, that was just a trade for Los Angeles. They're definitely thinking about uh, free agency next summer. So they're definitely trying, they're banking on trying to get a couple uh, top-tier uh, free agents um, when uh, when July hits. So, so like I said, that's part of the reason um, that the Clippers traded them. But, you know, they, they're getting some... I mean, they still have a good core, I think. I mean, they have Mondrez Harrell, they have Gallinari, but, and then uh, also Shea Gilgis Alexander. But, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Philadelphia definitely won this trade, in my opinion, because Philadelphia only gave up, uh, like, Wilson Chandler and a couple other, uh, you know, role players that, you know, no one really knows. So, getting uh, Tobias Harris, I think, will make Philly a big threat, especially, I mean, if Jimmy Butler can get his stuff worked out with Joel Embiid and if they're not, you know, having locker room troubles and they all can stay together, that's going to be a good team and that's definitely going to be a scary team come the playoffs because that lineup they have with Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and uh, ben, uh, I think ben Simmons, and they have a good core. Uh, that's a good starting lineup. And some of their bench play too. I think I really think that this team could um, make it far, and I think they'll be a dangerous team. And you know, we we all know that Tobias can really do a little bit of everything. He can shoot, rebound, pass. Uh, and we, like I said, we already know he can shoot the lights out. I mean, he was in a three point contest, and that three point shot is something that he's really worked on ever since he came into the NBA. 
Um, so that was just a great addition to for Philadelphia, um, for Philly as as far as them wanting to make it far. That's gonna be a great. That's a great uh, addition, and that's really like the that's just the main uh, main trades, and then of course you have Harrison Barnes getting traded to the Sacramento Kings, and honestly I don't really have an opinion of him getting traded in the in the during the middle of the game while he's playing for Dallas, and they you know Cohen tell him that he was traded to Sacramento. I was I mean I don't really have an opinion about it, but yeah he's getting traded to Sacramento, and Sacramento hasn't been a terrible team. So that that will be a great. That's gonna be another great addition to a team with Harrison Barnes because we know you know he's shown a lot of a potential, and you know he's also a veteran and played on a really uh, good team. So he uh, you know he played with uh, Golden State with the for, for the first part of his career. So he's definitely going to help them out a lot because he like you know he knows how to win. So that was really the major trades that happened. Yeah, I, I mean, this NBA, I mean, this season's still going to be crazy. I hope LeBron doesn't make it because, you know, like I said, LeBron's just been absolutely, uh, you know, I, I've, I've said, I'm sure I've said this on the show. I can't, um, I can't really, I really can't stand LeBron. I'm hoping LA doesn't make it. Even though they probably will because of LeBron, but I hope they don't. Like I said, I just can't really stand them. But you know, as NBA is still gonna be a crazy season. It's you know it's gonna end for definitely end for uh, a a crazy finish. And I mean, I forgot about another trade. I forgot to talk about um, with Kristaps uh, uh, Perzingis getting traded to um, the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, he's expected not to play for the rest of the season. Which on his part, I think that's really smart to do because of the fact you know he'll still he'll still get the the whole summer to prepare for um for when the season starts in October, and um I'd rather you know him you know feel comfortable when he starts to play, or you know he'll feel comfortable when he's ready to play. So I definitely think you know him staying out the rest of the season is good. Just due to the fact that you know, like I said, so that he has the summer to prepare more for his uh, NBA comeback. But him getting traded to Dallas, I think is going to be huge, especially if Dirk Nowitzki retires and decides to stay within um, the Dallas organization. He's going to be a great man. I think he could be a great um, Dirk can be a great person to look up to as far as uh, for um, for Kristaps Porzingis. I think um, if Chris Thompson can come back and be the player that he was before he went down and tore his ACL, him and Luka Doncic are going to be a great, I think, a great one-two punch um, in this NBA and on the, on his team. I think they can definitely give teams troubles. Um, and, you know, Dallas also got some pieces with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., who's averaging close to 20 points a game this season. So he just provides that for you. And they also got some um, some other key players as well, and you know, like Dallas is going to be good. They're going to be really good going forward, I think. And like I said, if Chris Hopps can come back full health, he's looking good, and with Luca, and everything's going well, that's going to be a great, definitely a great duo, and a team that can be um, a force to be reckoned with um, come the future. So I think you know, and you know, New York they got rid. You know, they're picking up Dennis Smith Jr., who I think has a buttload of potential in the um in this league. I think that he can be a star. So you know, I think he can be a great piece to this 
struggling uh, New York team, and they also got other, you know, key role players with uh, Wesley Matthews, who's, you know, he'll be a great guy to come off a bench and also mentor other players, and also um, DeAndre Jordan. I think he's going to be a great mentor to some players like Mitchell Robinson that's on the team, um, and just be a great mentor to everyone else as well. I mean, especially to Kevin Knox, and definitely I think now Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox are looking to be the future of this New York team, and you know they obviously hoping if they can pick up someone huge in free agency um, this summer. So we'll definitely have to see with that as far as New York. But you know that trade, I don't think either neither of them lost really, and we'll definitely have to uh, see. And Dallas also got Courtney Lee out of that deal. So I mean he and he's getting older, but he could still shoot the ball, and I think he could be a great addition. And I think he could provide some quality minutes off the bench for Dallas as well. Will Dallas make the playoffs this year? I don't know. I don't think they can. I don't think they will. But, you know, come next, seriously, come next year, if they get maybe get a couple more key players. And uh, also looking forward to head to the draft. Uh, it, it's it's really going to be quite the – I think Dallas can – Dallas I think really think that Dallas can be um, – good next year and for years to come um I, and i will finish this show with i have to finish this show with what i did for most of the other podcasts which is uh with college football what i really wanted to say is that with kentucky football right now and um one of the reasons i did want to mention them is because you know uh, they're they just got some uh draft combine uh they got Eight invites. Of those eight invites, it included players like CJ Conrad, Josh Allen, Benny Snell, Bonnie Johnson, who people have been saying he had a great senior bow, and people have been saying there is a great chance for him to sneak up to that first round, so that would be good for Kentucky as well. But he got Darius West as well. Mike, uh, I'm not, uh, I can't remember, but I believe Darius West got in there. I think Mike Edwards got an invite. I mean, there was eight invites that Kentucky got this year, and I mean, it was absolutely man. Uh, that it's amazing for this program to have eight players um, invited to the NBA or um, the NFL draft combine. I think it will just give them more of a chance to show what they're made of, and they're gonna be great to whoever team picks them up. Josh Allen is gonna be great, whoever picks them up, and he's gonna make a lot of money. We know this. He'll be a top five pick, even top three. In my honest opinion, he's definitely a game changer. And I think that just goes to show it with all these players getting invites to the, to the draft combine that, you know, these this, these NFL people feel great about them. And they're interested. And, you know, going forward, this Kentucky team can be good. I mean, if you hadn't gotten a chance to watch their Super Bowl commercial – I highly recommend it. Um, definitely watch it because, man, it, it just honestly it made me want to um, go through a wall and run through, try to run through a brick wall um, because that commercial was amazing. I think it sends a great message. I think it, you know, it sends a great message for next season because you know people are saying, you know, I, I've seen this and I've read some of the comments. I've seen what people are really saying about Kentucky um, as far as Kentucky football next year, that, you know, they had this miracle season. They win 10 games. They beat Penn State. They would go, you know, they go 10-3. and three. Um, They had their miracle. Now it's going back to being, um, being 
um, subpar and going back to where they were. And honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. And like I said, that commercial sent a great message about, you know, you know, the faces of this team next in the next year. Definitely cash Daniel on defense. The man is a beast. He is just a pure Kentucky man all around. He'll be great next year, and he's definitely going to be one of the leaders on this team, and he was this year. But he'll be even more of a leader next year, and he's he's going to be great. And he, you know, he really, they, that commercial, like I said, sent a great message that's saying, you know what, this isn't just going to be a one-and-done season. We had a great season, and what's done is done. They did what they did. Now they had to restart. And you know, a question he asked the, the some other players that was in that and that that were in that commercial is Terry Wilson, Lynn Bowden, Loden Stenberg. No, in that commercial he was asking them how are we going to replace legends? Well, you have to become one. And it's definitely possible. No one would have thought that Josh Allen would come in here and by the time he's a senior he'd win all these defensive awards and be a top five pick in the NFL draft. He turned himself into a legend Legend with hard work. And these freshmen that are coming in, uh, especially on defense like J.J. Weaver and Jared Casey, they're going to be huge for this defense. And some uh, players that are already there, such as DeAndre Square and Chris Oates, those players can turn into legends. They're just going to have to work their asses off, and I think it's possible. And like I said, that commercial just sends all kinds of good messages. You know, they're going to work hard. And they're just they're gonna be better than ever. And you know, I already had a podcast about what I thought about their future. But you know, that it's just I think it's time for, you know, Kentucky to be consistent. And I think this isn't just gonna be a one and done, you know, and then another forty they'll be good another in another forty years. No, Mark Stoops has a plan and Kentucky's gonna stay good for a long time. And you can, you know, people other of opposing fans like the irritating, absolutely irritating Tennessee fans. Honestly, I'm looking through some Twitter feeds. I'm looking through some comments from Tennessee fans. You know, I don't have a problem with Tennessee. But their fans, they think that they are still relevant in football. And they haven't been freaking relevant since the Peyton Manning years, which was, which was you know, two decades ago. So, here, you know... I know a Tennessee fan is probably not listening to this podcast, but if you were, I'm sorry. But what Matt Jones said on Paul Feinbaum when he said Kentucky, I mean, when he said um, Tennessee fans would not win another championship in his lifetime, it's very damn true. And Tennessee fans are absolutely irritating. And I was, you know, I was looking, like I said, I was looking through some Twitter feeds. I was looking through um, just the comment sections. And they, they, they think that they're still relevant, and they're not. They are never going to win in that, another national championship in football. They just, they're, they are not, and they're just irritating. But anyways, um, I kind of got off the road there a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's, I'm excited for Kentucky. And, you know, for the people saying that Kentucky's, you know, this is their miracle season, now it's time to get back to reality. Well, you know, the reality is now that, Kentucky's going to be con- stay consistent and be really good, and they're going to, you know, they're going to work their asses off, and they're going to whoop your ass when wh- whoever are playing. So it's time, you know, this is the time where Kentucky's going to keep moving up, and they'll be keep being on the up up for years to come.
And I'm really excited uh, for for Kentucky this year. Looks like this that will conclude this episode of the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I really thank you guys for continuing to listen. I know I haven't been on recently, but I'm definitely gonna it's going definitely gonna be going back to uh, being more definitely being more frequent. I'm gonna I'm actually about to start a job. So I'm I'm gonna definitely gonna try to pull out um put up more content as much as I can. But I'm definitely gonna be doing a weekly thing again or you know, I'll be doing my best, uh keeping up with it. Uh if you wanna follow us, definitely give us a follow and give us a shout on our social media. Uh on our Twitter you can find us at at Mancave Podcast with a capital M with a capital P. Um you can find us on our Instagram at Mancave Sports Podcast. You can find us with on with our Facebook page at just look up in those little search bar at just look up at Man Cave Sports Podcast. You will definitely find us there. And again, I really thank you guys for continuing listening. Like I said, I'm definitely going to be um, definitely keeping up more, being more frequent with this, like I was, and just getting out this this sporting content. Again, I you know I just can't thank you guys enough for uh, listening. Until next time, thank you for joining me in the man cave.